You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Stop what you're doing right now. Keep this podcast on, but open up a web page or in some way go and find the NBA Western Conference standings. If you look closely, you'll see your Sacramento Kings as the sole owners of the seventh seed in the Western Conference. So stop the rest of the season. Stop it now. Let's start the playoffs. Yes, the Kings would be part of the play-in tournament. I don't care. The Kings are the seventh seed. Mark this day down in history. I'm making too much of a deal out of it, but it's exciting. The Kings 12-11 and 11, heading into tonight's meeting with the Philadelphia 76ers. A tough battle ahead against Joel Embiid and company. The Sixers have been very, very solid this year. Also, the return of Dave Yeager to Sacramento as Coach Yeager is an assistant coach on Doc Rivers' staff in Philly. But today on the Locked on Kings podcast, we're going to talk about the evolution of Buddy Heald. How he's gone from an elite shooter, which he still is, to just a solid all-around battle basketball player and I'll tell you why his growth as a communicator and his improvement of his overall basketball IQ has made him the most valuable he has been at any point in his career here in Sacramento. We're also going to talk about are the Sacramento Kings a good basketball team or a bad basketball team? I asked that question at the end of yesterday's podcast. Got a ton of responses that I want to get through. Also, De'Aaron Fox appeared on the Low Post podcast, which is ESPN Zach Lowe's podcast. I have a couple clips to play for you, plenty to get to in this jam-packed episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off-season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now, again, only at BlueNile.com. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. And if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast, you need to. It's appropriately titled, The Most Fun We've Had Since 2006, because the Kings are in this stretch right now. They've won seven out of eight. Could have been eight in a row if they had scored two more points against the Miami Heat, but whatever. That's in the past. And during this time, we're seeing consistent individual and overall team improvement. Talked a lot about Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox yesterday, and I wanted to start today talking about Buddy Heald. I didn't want to squeeze it into the end of that podcast because I want to spend more than a couple of minutes talking about Buddy. If you've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast over the past year, but really since the early parts of last season after Buddy Heald signed his extension, you know I've been very critical of Buddy Heald, and I've criticized the fact that I don't feel that he's a very, or I didn't feel that he was a very well-rounded basketball player. I knew he could shoot with the best of them, and statistically, he's amongst the best NBA shooters of all time. I mean, he still has a ways to go to really cement himself in that category, 
But in this modern shooting NBA, Buddy Heald is up there with the likes of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. We know from beyond the arc, Buddy Heald is absolutely elite. But in the NBA, one skill doesn't do it for you. If you want to be successful, if you want to be consistent, especially if you want to be held at the status that Buddy Heald holds himself at, which is a a clear starter in the NBA, not a role player, not a supporting character, but a main character, a main piece of a successful team. That's what Buddy Heald believes he is and he can be. If that's the case, you have to do more than just one thing. Now, Buddy's always felt that he has done more. But his play has said otherwise. And this season, that has changed. Scoring-wise, just looking at points scored in a game, last season, Buddy Heald had the best season of his career. Had a couple of 40-plus point scoring games and a few 30-plus point scoring games. But Buddy Heald had a lot put on his shoulders last year with the amount of injury issues that the Kings dealt with. Especially when De'Aaron Fox went down, it really became Buddy's job to carry the scoring load and kind of lead the team. And that was a tough position for Buddy to be put in. You've heard me say before, and I'll say it again, I don't think Buddy can be a number one anywhere in the NBA. I just don't think that's the type of player he is. Now, he might believe uh, he can be like his idol, Kobe Bryant, and be that main guy, be that head of the snake. But if you look at him, you look at just his game, his play style, That is just not the case. Buddy Heald is not that. But he was put in a tough position last year and stepped up in some major ways scoring-wise. But we also saw Buddy Heald frequently move to the bench in the fourth quarter because other than shooting the basketball, he wasn't doing anything else for the team. In fact, he was hurting the team, especially with his struggles on the defensive end. Now, Buddy took exception to that because he felt he was being blamed for what was an overall team issue. And he has a point. The Kings defensively have been a bad team for a long time, much longer than Buddy Heald has been here. So it's not all on Buddy. But like we've seen with Luke Walton benching Marvin Bagley in the fourth quarter this season, Walton wasn't afraid to make the moves necessary. And even before that, Dave Yeager wasn't afraid to make the moves necessary that may piss the individual player off or take a good, solid individual piece out of the game in order to put the best team lineup on the floor to win and frequently those team lineups didn't feature Buddy Heald because in my opinion he was so one-dimensional. Luke Walton also faced a lot of criticism because he seemed to be asking more from Buddy Heald than what Buddy was capable of providing and one of my criticisms for Walton is it didn't seem like Walton was using Heald correctly or putting Heald in the positions to be successful. He wanted Buddy as a secondary ball handler and that led to a lot of dribbling mistakes, a lot of turnovers, a lot of bad passes and made Buddy in a way look worse than what he was. But I also understood why Luke Walton was asking that from Buddy Heald because Walton was consistent from day one saying we need more out of Buddy Heald in order to be effective. And I say all that, I bring up all that negative context from last season so that I can now transition into a complete place of praise towards Buddy Heald because even with the struggles that he's faced from the start of the season, even with the Kings being a historically bad defensive team at one point earlier this year and Buddy certainly contributing to that, I have seen nothing but effort, hustle, and intensity, a desire, a clear desire for him to get better at areas of his game that were pitfalls. That desire we did not see last season. What we saw from Buddy Heald last season was, I'm going to continue to shoot my way 
through these performances and put up big numbers in the scoring column because that's what's got me paid and everything else is not that big of a deal because this is what I do. That's what I saw from Buddy Hill last season. This season what I see is, no, I can still shoot. I can still put up those big numbers, but even though my scoring numbers have gone down, I'm doing more to help my team win, and I am being what I need to be in order to make the Sacramento Kings successful, not just Buddy Heald. That's what I'm seeing this year. It's never been a question of work ethic, because Buddy has always put in the work. It's just now he's focusing on putting the work into areas of his game that have needed to improve in order for him to be what he wants to be for the Kings, which is a consistent starter and a player that is on the floor in crunch time. And look where he is. He is one of five in one of the best lineups in the NBA. The Sacramento Kings closing lineup. We talked about it yesterday. Statistically, one of the best lineups in the NBA. Buddy Heald is a part of that. And he's not just a part of that because he spaces the floor and makes threes. He's a part of that because now he plays better individual defense, he's communicating on both ends of the floor, and he's using his reputation as an elite shooter to get better looks for himself inside the three-point line, and more importantly, better looks for his teammates. Let me tell you why Buddy Heald's 5.1 of 11 shooting performance on Saturday night against the Denver Nuggets was my favorite performance from Buddy Heald this season. That seems absurd to say with those terrible shooting numbers, but it truly was because in this game, Buddy Heald showed his growth as best as he possibly could. He made it as clear as day, and I had nothing but a smile on my face watching this game from Buddy Heald. He only scored five points, but he still played 39 minutes. Buddy Heald played the most minutes out of any one of the Kings starters. He played more minutes than De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes in a game where he was not efficient offensively. You know why? Because he did the other things. He earned that time. And in a game where he had a streak of 87 consecutive games where Buddy Heald had made at least one three-pointer in a game with that on the line, even in the fourth quarter, in the closing moments, when he had good looks to continue that streak, he decided to make the team play over the selfish play. This game from Buddy Heald was my absolute favorite. Seven assists, four rebounds, still plus one on the game, even though I don't like the plus-minus stat. In a game where Buddy Heald went 0 of 9 from three-point range, he still played 39 minutes. That never would have happened last season. And at the end of the game, there was a moment. Less than two minutes remaining. It was a close game. The Kings needed a big bucket. They kicked out to Buddy Heald, who had a good look at a wing three. Defenders are closing out on him as fast as they can. It's a good look for Buddy. A majority of the time on most nights, Buddy's taking that and probably making it. Maybe his best and final chance to continue that three-point shooting streak. But instead... He decides to swing the ball to a wide-open Tyrese Halliburton who nails the corner three. It only shows up as one assist in Buddy Heald's box score, but to me, that is a gold star on Buddy Heald's NBA permanent record. That play alone showed me how much Buddy Heald has developed and evolved this season. Now, I'm not saying Buddy Heald was a selfish basketball player before this year. What I'm saying is that Buddy has learned the difference between the team play and the individual play. 
and he is making the team play more than the individual play now on a nightly basis. Those who are just paying attention to the box score, who aren't actually watching Buddy play with the proper context, are probably looking at this season as a down year for Buddy. And maybe those in other markets who might have been interested in a Buddy Heald trade are looking at this and saying, wow, Buddy's not shooting the ball as well as he has in years past, so his value has gone down. To me, his value is trending up because those who have been actually watching will know that Buddy Heald is making the winning plays. And let me tell you, there are more than enough teams in the NBA that could use what Buddy provides. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, the NHL, they're in full swing. Baseball's coming up, soccer's going on as well. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, you can gamble on tonight's Kings versus 76ers game. The Kings are plus five in this game, five-point underdogs. The way the Kings have been playing, and with how good the 76ers are, Bet Online knows how to set those lines to make it a tough decision, but I think if I had to lean one way, the way Sacramento's playing at home, if they're losing tonight, it'll be a close game. So I think I'm taking the Kings plus five tonight. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. If you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, as long as you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Are the Sacramento Kings a good basketball team? It's a very simple, straightforward, but dense question. Are the Kings good or are they not? I've been asking this question to seasoned Sacramento Kings fans over the last 24 hours. I posed it at the end of yesterday's Locked on Kings podcast. Got a ton of responses, both via Twitter, at MattGeorgeRadio, and via my email, mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com. I've been trying to respond to all of them. If I haven't gotten back to you yet, I promise I will try to. But it's a simple question. Are the Kings good? Or are they not? And I expected a majority of Kings fans to say that they're not ready to call the Sacramento Kings good yet, that they need to see more, or something specific needs to happen for them to put aside that 14, 15 years of frustration and expectations that things are not going to be as good as they seem, or things are going to fall apart, or that which is good will only last a short period of time And I got, for the most part, what I expected. I understand that fear or that cautious optimism that Sacramento Kings fans possess. And I understand that it's going to take more than just a stretch of eight games for that to be broken. So I pose the question, what do the Kings need to do in order to become a good team? Let me back up a little bit because there's a couple of scales that you could put the Kings on to decide if they're a good or bad basketball team. I I have one longer scale, and I have one shorter, more simple scale that I'm really going to focus on. The first longer scale is awful, bad, good, or great. Well, we know the Sacramento Kings are great, and we know the Sacramento Kings aren't awful. So it's that good-bad range, and you could even put average in the middle, and I saw a lot of people answering that the Kings, they felt, were an average basketball team. And maybe that's true, but let me simplify it. A good, 
or bad scale. They're either good or they're bad. There's no middle. There's no average. There's no great. There's no awful. It's either good or bad. I believe on that scale, based off of the responses that I got, that more people would still label the Kings as a bad team because they haven't done enough yet to jump to the good side. Let me break this down even further. I'll tell you my process of looking at this. I looked at the 12 wins that the Kings have had this season, and I've looked at the 11 losses, and I've looked at a bunch of things. I looked at the quality of opponents. I looked at the margin of victory and margin of defeats. I looked at offense. I looked at defense. I looked at statistics. I looked at averages amongst the league. And taking that all into account, I tried to decide what part of this Kings team is more true to form. What is more accurate? What are these Sacramento Kings? That 3 and 1 start and these 7 wins over the last 8 games. Is that version of the Kings where the offense is what we expected, the defense is average to even above average at times. That the team is playing solid team basketball, Harrison Barnes is playing the way he is. Tyrese Halliburton is contributing the way he is. De'Aaron Fox is a star. Rashawn Holmes can't miss a push shot. That version of the Kings, we'll call it A. Kings A, the good version, versus the bad version. Blowing 20-plus point leads in half a quarter. Blowing two 19-20 point leads in a single game. Losing by a margin of around 17 points a game. Giving up 130 points a night. That's version B. Which of those two is more true to form? And I'm not accepting the, well, it's a balance or a mixture of both because that's the obvious cop-out answer. And even if that's accurate, that's not the purpose of this exercise. If King's version A is extreme one and King's version B is extreme two and you put them at the end of a straight line or let's say you put it on a scale, which side weighs more? Where does the scale tip? Which side is more true to form? To me, it's the 12 wins. And I base that off of the growth that we've seen. I base that off the fact that the offense, for the most part, has been consistent throughout, even during the losses. It's been the defense that has been different. And I base that off the fact that this core is further along and overall better. And the core, I'm speaking specifically De'Aaron Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton over everything else. It's better than what we all expected at this stage. Fox has made the leap. Halliburton doesn't look like a rookie, and in my opinion is the rookie of the year. We've already talked about Buddy Heald. Harrison Barnes having a career year. Marvin Bagley's healthy. Rashawn Holmes is clearly a starting center in the NBA. To me, the 12 wins are more true to form than the 11 losses for the Kings. Now, that's not to say that The Kings are a winning basketball team more than they're a losing basketball team. I'm just saying the quality of these wins versus the quality of the losses, one is more accurate than the other. One's the anomaly, and one is true to form. So I would say the Kings are leaning more towards being a good basketball team than a bad basketball team. Is that an overly optimistic viewpoint? And I go back to the question I asked earlier. If the Kings aren't good yet, what do they need to do this season to get you there. I completely understand if you need to see more. We've seen Kings go on good streaks before and then it all fall apart. So maybe you need to see this seven wins in the last eight games stretch to 16 wins in the last 20. That might be too high of expectations, but maybe that's what you need. 
Maybe you need to see the Kings at five games above 500 by the trade deadline. Maybe you need to see the Kings have success in the play-in tournament. Maybe you need to see the Kings make the playoffs. What is it that you need to see? Let me know at Matt George Radio on Twitter or email me mgeorge at SACLocalMedia if you haven't already. I've talked a lot about NBA Purgatory on this Locked on Kings podcast. NBA Purgatory, where you're too good to get a high draft pick, but not good enough to really make the playoffs and take the steps towards becoming a perennial playoff team and a contender. The Kings have been in NBA Purgatory way too many times. And you could argue are once again trending in that direction with their current roster. But on a future Locked on Kings podcast, at some point this week, I'm going to go into detail about weighing the Kings being a fringe playoff team and actually making the playoffs, even if they're a quick first round exit as an eighth or seventh seed, weighing that versus a high draft pick. And what is better for this organization right now and in the future? Because that's a debate that I'm sure is going to pick up even more steam as this season goes on. Give that some more thought and look forward to that discussion in a future episode. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes like Fiat, Kia, and models, Pacifica, XT5, it is now impossible to stock all of the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I don't even know what that means. And why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand that his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. You can get the exact parts that you need at the click of a button. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Congratulations to De'Aaron Fox for winning the Western Conference Player of the Week award for his phenomenal week that he had during the Kings 4-0 stretch. De'Aaron is the first King to win that award since DeMarcus Cousins, so it has been a while to say the least, and it's nice to see both De'Aaron and Tyrese Halliburton getting some recognition. Fox the Player of the Week, Halliburton the Rookie of the Month for last month. Always good to see some positive press for Sacramento. And speaking of press, De'Aaron Fox appeared on ESPN Zach Lowe's podcast, the Low Post podcast, a phenomenal interview. I encourage you to go and listen to the entire thing. It's really the second half of the podcast. starts around the 35-40 minute mark. But I do have a few clips from that podcast that I wanted to play for you on today's episode of Locked on Kings. 
starting with De'Aaron Fox talking about this team having playoff expectations and the fact that the way they're performing right now, the success that they're having, it's not a fluke. The Kings have not had a lot of winning for the last 15 or so years. Are there playoff expectations now? Like, are, are you are you do you like we can keep this going? Like, this is not a fluke, right? That's the, I assume that's the feeling inside the team. Yeah, definitely. We don't think that we're doing anything that's far fetched. It's not like we're averaging 140 points. Like, we're doing stuff that NBA teams do to win games. Uh, we're, we're we're we've been able to finish games out. We've been able to get stops when we need it, and I don't think that that's something that's just way over our head of of doing. And uh, I mean, we've done it against some good teams too. Uh, we and we, I mean, we also did it at the beginning of the year, so we don't think that it's a that it's a fluke. Here's Fox talking about playing with Tyrese Halliburton, how the two are continuing to grow and get more comfortable together. You know, a lot of people were asking if if one of us would be able to play off ball and this and this and that and that, but we're both fine with the other one handling the ball, um, especially the way that he shoots the ball and the way I've been shooting. You know, we're we're good with the other one. You know, taking the ball for this period of time, or if if we feel like that person has the better matchup, that person's in the pick and roll. Like, there's nothing. I don't think there's nothing that we can't pretty much do together. You know, um, we both want to see see each other succeed, and uh, we play off of each other extremely well. And and you know, we're just like you said, we're just scratching the surface of what we think we can do together. And at the end of the interview, Lowe asked a really good question about De'Aaron's improvement. And it led to Fox talking about his three-point shot. Give me a skill. Give me something about your defense. Give me something that's like, I got to get better at this, or I'm working on this. I want to showcase this. Give me something to look for. Um, can we say free throws? Make, make my damn can free, say throws. free throws. There you go. I think if I'm shooting like 80% from the free throw line, then it's like, I feel like it's, it's totally different. Because this year, like since I've been making threes, seeing everyone go over ball screens has been different. And it's made the game 10 times easier. And that's something that I've always said that I need to work on. You know, if I can get guys to step up half a step, then it, it makes it makes the game easy. So now let's now that I'm making threes, obviously, you know, I'm going to continue to work on that and continue to try to, you know, shoot a higher percentage from there. But free throws getting to the line. I know I can get to the line. So if I'm able to knock down free throws, it's it's just making the game a whole lot easier. There's also a part in this interview where De'Aaron talks about when he was being recruited by Kentucky in high school and how he had one of his high school classmates involved in the process because his classmate was a huge Kentucky fan. It's a great story, really touching story, and it gives you a good idea as to just the type of person, the quality of person that De'Aaron Fox is. I want you to go and listen to the Low Post podcast to hear that story as well as the rest of the great interview. Those three clips were just scratching the surface. Fox spent around half an hour with Lowe talking about a ton of stuff, including Bogdan Bogdanovich choosing to sign with the Atlanta Hawks, talking about Rashawn Holmes's push shot. There's a lot of amazing stuff in there that you're going to want to listen to. So go and check that out. That's your homework assignment for today. Also, remember to respond to my question that I threw out earlier. Are the Sacramento Kings a good basketball team? And if they're not there yet, what do you need to see for them to get there? And if you could leave a review of this Locked On Kings podcast, that would be awesome. Best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Keep the reviews coming in. Hit five stars. Also, there's a little box for you to leave a blurb. Encourage people to come and listen to the Locked On Kings podcast. If you have a Kings fan in your life that you know would like this kind of content, please send them our way. And thank you for the continued support of not just Locked On Kings, but the entire Locked On Podcast Network. 
That will do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow for more Kings content. Enjoy the Kings and 76ers tonight. We'll break down that game and more on tomorrow's pod. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.